Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar reminding you all help is around the corner, meaning won't be long we'll be back to a incredible life living the way that we need to live but for now i want you to follow the guidelines it's very important and there are so many wonderful things to do right here in the great state of mississippi just go to visit mississippi.org to find out more all right who's smarter today's guest co-wrote waiting on a woman and yours truly wrote waiting on joe don't answer that i mean come on a woman's always going to it's always going to top a Joe. There's just no way. I don't know why I didn't get that right. You know, you know, I dig talking to folks in my field, especially the ones who stretch their imagination as far as their mind will let it. And at the same time, write about things we all know about and trust. And man, can he do that. Some of his songs writing credits include the number one single from Brad Paisley, Waiting on a Woman, Gary Allen's Tough Little Boys, Alan Jackson's Midnight in Montgomery, and Brian White's has to be his biggest hit, Rebecca Lynn. You want more? Well, hang in there, because me and my old coaching pal back in the days of basketball in Nashville are going to let it all out. Welcome to the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, a wonderfully talented man and a good man, Don Sampson. What's up, Don? Hey, hey Steve. Good to, good to talk to you, my brother. <laughs> well, we've had Moose on, and he didn't throw you. He threw you under one tire under the bus. So you were okay. You were salvaged. Then we had your boy win on Varble, and he he had no mercy for you or Kerry Kurt or anything. So uh, it's I your understand. turn. It's your no, turn. Well, no, they uh, they know me too well. I'm I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> maybe maybe a pickup, but not, not, not the bus. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get basketball out of the way because you and I you, we were talking earlier. Although we never wrote together, we had friends that you know we, you know we had we wrote with people that each other wrote with. But with that said, for some reason, we never got in a room and and had coffee together or wrote a song. Is and it's odd to me. But we were on the basketball court against each other, and you're, you're oh, right about this. Back in the day, yeah. right? Oh, back in the day, yeah. I was. Uh, I don't know if you could actually call me a coach <laughs> or. Yeah. Uh, that people got to calling me radio. <laughs> if you, uh, if you, if you, please tell me that. it was because your songs were always on the radio. No, <laughs> no. it was because I, I think I was just a big, good-hearted oaf that uh, was, you know, I coach girls basketball, and <laughs> my coaching strategy was incorporate dances into. <laughs> 
into just about everything we did. So I, I was I was more cheerleader than I was anything else. How old was your girl then? Are your girls? They were sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, there's nothing better, right? There was nothing okay. better. <laughs> Listen, you'll love this. I, I coached soccer for a while when our kids were really young, our boys, and I knew nothing about so soccer was, you know, I was before soccer, okay? So, oh, yeah, me too. Right? So all I could think of, I said, well, seems like you could do a little pick and roll. So I'd have them run the pick and roll <laughs> <laughs> off, off the sidelines. You know, when the ball would go out and they'd kick it out, somebody would come pick and the, the ref would throw, you can't do that. And I said, well, he's not touching him. And they just said, you can't do that. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This guy, I hate this game. <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love I, it. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I like that. All right, let's get to it. We're talking to Don Sampson. We've had enough basketball talk. Okay, so, Don, take me back into your wonder years. You're growing up. I want to hear about your folks, what it was like being uh, a young Don Sampson in a household, siblings or not. Uh, and then when did the songwriting bug hit you? Uh, well, uh, I, I am a twin. I, I have a twin sister, so there were two of us in the house growing up. And um, my my dad was a mailman. This is up in Virginia, and a mailman, and and he ran a gas station on the nights and on the weekends, and picked a little guitar. And and to this day, one of the, still one of the finest singers I've ever heard. But he was he was all about Hank Williams, and yeah. Ernest Tubb, and Carl Smith, and you know that 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 whole thing. And and my mom was a uh, Look Magazine All American basketball player, girls basketball player. Oh come from on! I, from Iowa in uh, in the uh, late fifties. Wow! And she was a uh, a stay at home mom, but. She played trumpet in high school, and so when I was very little, um, she taught me how to, you know, to read music and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, my dad um, would show me you know, all the chords, and, and but then mom would get a, you know, a songbook or something, and, and she could pick out the notes and she taught me how to read music, and, and uh, uh, one of one of my first memories is uh, my dad had an old beat up D eighteen that he had uh, traded like a tank of gas for at the gas station one night. One of his you know army buddies needed a tank of gas and I think a ten gallon can to get home uh, somewhere in in uh, North Carolina, and so he had that and. And I swear to you, Steve, I was, you know, I, I wasn't even four years old yet. And that guitar sat in a corner, didn't have a case, and I wasn't allowed to touch it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but, but I can remember sneaking in their bedroom where that guitar leaned up against the corner and looking around and then bending down and just running my finger over the strings. Yeah, of course and, you were t- Of course you, of course you little devil, you. <laughs> Well, but then, you know, when I was, when I was six, I I got my first guitar and, you know, it was a big old jumbo jumbo harmony that I couldn't even hardly get my arms around. And 
they they saw that I was serious about it. And when I was eight, my mailman dad, who had a second full-time job, uh, bought me a uh, D35 Martin. And that that's still my prized possession. And yeah. uh, I've, I've pretty much had my arms around one of them things since since I was six. So so they were they knew the importance of the arts. Obviously, you're seeing it taken away um, from our kids that opportunity, and you're gonna have to bring it from the house. That was something. It's interesting. Your mom's an all-American basketball player growing up, and yeah. she still saw the need of that nurturing. Uh, to give you that opportunity, I, I think it's awesome. Oh for, yeah, for, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, and 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 when when she was growing up, you know, in, in the high school years, in you know, in the mid and late fifties, you know, I told you who my dad, Doug, and and my mom was Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps, Ricky Nelson, Fats Domino, and and Elvis. You know, okay. so it was kind of the opposite spectrum, and yeah. um, it, it made a it made for a pretty good combination of music growing up. Wow, there's no di- well, my mom grew up in Clarksdale, Mississippi, on Highway 61 in a grocery store for most of her childhood, and Elvis, you know, come play her high school, and but but she lights up when she. She didn't light up for that for some reason. She goes, don't tell anybody that. Well, I'm telling a lot of people now. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, I'm throwing you <laughs> under that bus. But the truth was, she like loved Charlie Pride. He, he would come in in his baseball uniform. Uh, he was playing ball Red then. Mississippi. Yeah, man, and he'd come in the store at times. And I, I don't know, Conway Twitty and all that. So I think Mom was sort of leaned toward that. But obviously, Elvis was just you know coming in to play at their high school like it was just a just another guy showing up with a guitar but that wouldn't be the case later in life we're talking to the great don sampson you're in the mississippi minute go to visit mississippi.org to check out all the cool things you can do right here it's just a short drive away even for don don you can get in your car you come see all our great history and culture although you've made a lot yourself uh it, it'll be a clash of um, a beautiful thing and by speaking of beautiful you're gonna keep mississippi beautiful studio Folks, Steve Azar here letting you in on the Guarantee Bank Summer Better Sweepstakes when sending money with Zelle. Zelle is a fast, safe, and easy way to send money in minutes to friends, families, and others you trust, no matter where they bank, right from Guarantee Bank's mobile banking app. And now you can win the $5,000 grand prize when making Zelle transactions from June 1st to July 31st. Just download the Guarantee Bank mobile app to send money with Zelle at the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Visit gbtonline.com forward slash Zelle dash sweepstakes for more info and rules. No purchase, account, or Zelle necessary to enter to win. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sitting on a bench at Westtown Mall, 
He sat down in his overalls and asked me. I'm Steve Azar. Don Sampson's probably laid up on his couch. He spilt his coffee because he's going like, is Azar really doing this radio thing? Question mark. Well, well, you told me it was all right to be in my underwear. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that now. Yeah, I'm leaving it at that. I'm telling you right now. If you're running around the house, well, you'll be like, think about Jim McMahon. He was in his thong because that's what he wears on the beach. And it's an awful sight. Uh, to and you try not to look. He's coming out of the water, right? Like Bo Derek and Ten. He's walking out of the water, and you're going like, "Don't look, don't look." And there it is. And he's there he is in his well, in his thong. You well, know? you know, you know how you know how you can tell if if people are wearing a thong. <laughs> they're they're in a bad mood. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I mean, good grief, that can't be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. We're talking to Don Sampson, keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out all the cool things uh, that are right here. Short drive away. All right, Don, one thing that we have in common besides basketball, another thing is when I was 10 years old, my dad – so my dad went to – he was a, he went to the Midwest to, to Notre Dame. That's where he went to college. But he grew up in Greenville, Mississippi. <clears throat> went in the Air Force after the Air Force. Came back home and opened the first legal liquor store in Mississippi. It took a, it was a, there was a few years later, but behind the store was Eugene Powell, Sonny Boy Nelson, and Postman at the end of the day, and they would let me sit with them at ten, and that's where I got hooked. So it was Mailman, Mailman, and a handful of them, three or four of them, having having a little drink, and Eugene doing his thing, and I couldn't wait to go home and write about whatever I had to write about, which was nothing. So when did you start writing songs? Um, fifth grade. All right. Fair uh, enough. My, my, my dad had a 1951 Oldsmobile, green, and called it uh, Green. That was the name of the car, you know. And so fifth grade, that had to be been, for me, 1969, 70 maybe. First song I wrote was called Old Green. You know, I, I went to Park Lawn Elementary School, and of course, I had to do a Park Lawn Prison Blues and play that in, at an assembly. And uh, so that 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 was the that was the start of it for me, yeah. you know. And and the cat, you know, I, you know, my my dad's influences, my mom's influences, uh, my growing up, you know, and right around that time, you know, late sixties, early seventies, and even before that, you know, my my first guy was Buck Owens. Yeah, I got to and, know Buck pretty well, which was a blessing, just unbelievable. Well, yeah, I I only got to talk to Buck on the phone one time, and that was uh, a buddy of mine, uh, and you you probably know Frank Rogers. Yeah, of course. Do I know him? <laughs> produces produces Brad. I, unfortunately, I know him too well. <laughs> well, touche. I got you. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I love you him. Know, love but, him. But it was, it was right after Tough Little Boys went to number one, and, you know, Buck is a... Uh, you know, loved Gary Allen, and Gary loved him, and, and Frank knew uh, Buck pretty well through Brad. And after it went number one, uh, Frank got Buck to call me. And I was sitting in the parking lot of the Lowe's about 9 o'clock in the morning, and the phone rang. And I, did, I didn't believe it. And then I, I, I've, I've never gurned anybody in my life, <laughs> but I gurned Buck Owens on the telephone for an hour. Wow, and it was great, yeah. you know, but then, you know, him and Don Rich w- was it for me. And then, 
and then right on the tail of that, you know, it became Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard and Christopherson were were my guys, and you know, and still are to this day. I mean, are you yeah. are you kidding me? I mean that that's not a bad that's not, that's not yeah, bad yeah. ones to love right there. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. And uh, you know, as as far as you know, the writers go. Right. Of um, course. Of course. Yeah. So let's talk. And, let's talk about writers. When you when you come to town, when is it? Do you go off to college? Are you a basketball player as well when you're growing up? No, I, I actually was a baseball player. All right. Uh, now I got you know drafted out of high school in wow. you know in the five hundredth round or something like that you know and uh, but recruited to go to college and I ended up going to college um, to play baseball and. Um, after, but right before my sophomore year at college, um, my dad passed away. Mm. Forty oh, years tough. old. Oh man! Yeah. Oh yeah! Awful. You know, heart attack and and awful. it was yeah. And so you know, went through another year and 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 played and and you know my my heart just wasn't in it and and did a lot of you know soul searching and I mean praying and praying and praying and praying. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully we can say that on the radio. Oh well, yeah, because that's exactly how you got through it. Just asking for you know guidance. About a year, about a year and a half after he passed, you know, and still with the praying and stuff. And I, I'd slowly gotten you know because baseball had kind of consumed all high school and then into college. And and uh, but during that time, I started playing in a little duo and. Then got in a pretty good band that played in Northern Virginia and Delaware and Maryland and that kind of thing, and and then still trying to play baseball. And you know, it was right before uh, my junior year, and the season was supposed to start, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And you know, that's when I got offered the job in the in the band, and. <laughs> I, I lifted my head up and I said, thank you, and never looked back. Wow, you know, went, there was your son. Went, yeah. yeah, and went went to, to uh, you know, not only my first love, but, you know, also my dad's. And right. so you know, I thought it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometime in, well, about nine months after that, when I, when I joined that band, I, I made the decision that I was going to move to Texas. <laughs> and play in the honky tonk. Well, you got lost. What was going on? What the heck's going on? There? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> so, you know, I remember telling my mom, I said, uh, "I'm," and this was like in November, and uh, and I said, just out of the blue, I said, I, "I'm moving to San Antonio," and she said, "Why?" And I said, "I, I want to play." in the honky-tonks out there, and I'm going to be there for a year, and then I'm moving to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And bless her heart, she just looked at me, and she just said, well, if that's what you think you need to do, then I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, she, she was a big part of this passion that was and fire that was instilled with you. It was just kind of burning sure. low for a while, and she knew that. Right. You know, you know. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to parent like that, and you're and you're going to put that in your soul and your heart, then you, you're yeah. the inevitable is going to happen. You know, I love that about your mom. First of all, and although the fact that she was a competitor and she knew that you wanted to go compete, 
I mean, what what we do for a living, as much as I hate to say it, is a, it's it's competing like you're. I always talk about, with my guests. I talk about this that yeah. growing up and playing sports, huge advantage for people that do what we do. If you if you really took it serious and you understand how priceless it is to win big, and most of the time you're you know and in, in dealing with loss and losing right. and all that, it's important, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, so oh. not everybody gets the participation trophy is what I'm saying. Or should they? Yeah. No, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? You, you make this comment. I love that. Um, you know, when your dad has a lot to do with it and, and just the inspiration he had as well as your mom. But uh, music must have been riding shotgun the whole time. And then finally you let it have you let it take the will. You were playing oh. baseball, but it was always right. there. wasn't even in the back seat of the trunk. Right. It was right there right. next to you. So you were. Yeah, right. I get it. You know, that's yeah. sort of the path of all of us, you know, going and playing gigs. And I did the same thing. That's how I met my wife, you know, 30-something years ago. And we were married pretty fast and at the University of Arkansas. And um, she was on the shoulders of a Sigma Chi. And I said, get her off get her off of there. She's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. And I was right. Absolutely. But, but Absolutely. the point is that we did all that. Play, I was playing through the southeast and southwest. I'd head into Baton Rouge or Mississippi State or Arkansas, wherever. And um, but then eventually I had to I wanted to be a better songwriter and you had to go. You know where you had to go to do that. We're going to talk right. about that in a second. I'm with the great Don Sampson. I've got him uh, running around the house. Uh, he's not wearing a thong, which is good news for us all and me. <laughs> and uh, and you're in you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org. Check out all the great things that are right around the corner. Even in these trying times, you can do it. They're letting us out of the house a little at a time. You know, pay attention to the guidelines. Let's stay safe, everybody. Blessings to you all. Don, we are the music capital when it comes to the birthplace of American music. You're in Music City. Hey. You know all that. You went to Texas. I get it. All that. We talked to Pat Green and Walt Wilkins and Radney Foster. They'll tell us everything. They'll scream Texas out of the out of the top of their heads, but we are the birthplace here in Mississippi. So, would you like to hear into the break, Charlie Pride or BB King? I I checked out BB King some stuff on uh, YouTube the other day. So let's do let's do the great Charlie Pride. Oh wow, Please. the curveball! You baseball player, you. All right, we're good. Don Sampson. We're gonna hear some Charlie Pride. What a wonderful man he was recently here. Uh, we were honoring him, honoring him at the Grammy Museum down in Cleveland, Mississippi, and it was just so good to catch up. You're in the Mississippi Minute. See you later. Kiss an angel good morning. And love her like the devil when you get back home. Kiss an angel good morning. And let her know you think about her when you're gone. Kiss an angel good morning. And love her like the devil when you get back home. JT and Rhino. These are great people. They're tough, they're smart, and they love our country. The JT Show. The greatest of all time. Weekdays 10 till 1. Let me hear it. Super Talk Mississippi. Waiting on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. took a year to plan. Talk about an anxious man. I was nervous. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to do your thing. We're the wonderful, wonderfully talented Don Sampson. I got so upset when I, you know, after writing Waiting on Joe, I said, how could I not be smart enough to change Joe or take an E off and to a woman? 
How come well, Don I, Sampson and Wynn Barble are that much smarter than me? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Wynn told you the story. I want to hear he tells his story, his side of the story. But in any great relationship like you guys, because you are sort of glued and married at the hip in a different way as songwriters, I want to hear your version. Well, uh, Wynn got off the phone with, you know, with his old pard that, you know, was in the hospital dying. And, you know, that's where the line came from. And But as soon as Wynn said that, I mean, my father-in-law, who I was extremely close to, had just passed. And Big Herb and, you know, Miss Helen, my mother-in-law, who I dearly loved, um, had just gotten a, a, you know, a pretty heart-wrenching diagnosis herself. And the whole time we we was working on that song, I'm, the, I, was, I was thinking about them. And... Wow. And... You know, Big Herb never wore a pair of overalls in his life, but, you know, the guy I was seeing was him. And, um, and, and, brother, it, it came quick. Well, yeah. It, it came it. quick. <laughs> because you guys were nutty inspired, right? It was like. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you live for those moments as far as, you know, okay, you don't live for the moments that they're going through. But as a songwriter, you get to express something that's extremely moving and real. And that you, well, you know, that's the deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, the, the, the stuff that I write ha- has always been more inspiration than mm-hmm. perspiration. Um, you know, I, I, I sit around, you know, where I either think of something or, you know, or, or just a title like that comes out and it sparks something and, you know, where I can go to, okay, well, how does this affect me? And you know, or you know, what does what does this what does that mean? I, I've always always tried to base what I do on that, you know, and and um, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons that you know I was able to keep and stay relevant for as long as I did. You know, I like to think that I'm, that, you know, that there's still some relevance there, but but it's also the fact that you know, you know, whatever success that I had was up spread out because, um, you know, I think at a, at a, at a certain point people kind of expected a certain thing from me. Right. They thought when sense. it comes, it's going to be as big as the last, right? Right. And, uh, but you know, and, and it's, it, it's, it's going to be one of those things, you know, that's not necessarily easy to get cut and, you know, and that's okay. And, you know, I, I think that it got to the point where people kind of expected more of a story kind of mm-hmm. um, thing from me, you know, which which is cool because, you know, I, I found out early on that that's kind of what I do. And so were you more like so I I wrote for Roger Murray for a few years and it was uh-huh. back when Neil, Neil Cody and I were signed together before we both got right. deals. And Mark Allen Springer was there before, and that's how I met Roger, going in there to write and all that. But so Roger's way for me was re- really, and I respect him so much because he was so good at it. I struggled going into the office, say to, so to speak, and writing every day. I struggled with that because I'd gone to the boot camp for years in Nashville, and I was doing the co-writes every day. I needed, at that point, I think I had all the, the right tools. I just needed space. 
at that point. Right. And that's exactly. when it started to happen for me. So were you more like that? I mean, you know, you know, you got to get your 12 full songs in a year. You know, that's sort of the deal. Uh, oh, yeah. So were you more like Mark Allen? Because Mark Allen was, you know, he was pretty peaceful and walked, you know, quietly. And, sure. and he'd spend, if it took him 14 years, he had the patience of Job. I definitely like that. You know, every year, you know, I was, I mean, I was signed, a signed writer from, you know, like February of 1985, just until like two years ago. And, you know, was never without a deal and, and not, you know, there's not a right way or a wrong way, but I, I was always at the end of the year, all I wanted to do was look back at, at this past year and and the body of work and mm-hmm. see one or two great songs that that I was proud of and all right so tell me because okay so tell me the great songs that actually got recorded and you talk about your songs being the difficult ones to say yes to which as songwriters that blows you in my mind I know because yeah. when you do something special you're going like okay come on Right, because right. it doesn't happen all the time. So, I want to know what those two are, and then I want to know the one that still got away that you know. Well, I mean, they, you know, it, it was one or two per year that, that you know I wanted I wanted to look back and see and point at, and. Um, oh, I got you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Um, That's but, called making money. Small. That's smart, man. <laughs> well. That's good. <laughs> It, it, it uh, you know, people, uh, the first publisher I had um, was was a lady, and she had been, you know, she came up through the ranks with Tom Collins and, um, you know, that music machine over there, and she opened up her own publishing company, and... and um, was it Higdon? You know, that was the first... No, it was uh, uh, Sue Patton. All right. That was her name, and... Uh, uh, and I was signed, and, you know, there was, you know, it was, oh, we're going to get you a record deal, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you know that drill. And uh, But anyway, uh, as, as far as writing goes, you know, I've, I'd never co-written before in my life, you know, and at, at this point I'm 24 years old when I signed. Mm-hmm. And But you talk about the light and, you know, prayerful and, and all that kind of stuff. And the, the song that, that made me realize who I was as, as a writer and, and what I wanted to say and do was a, um, a thing that I actually wrote in a Pizza Hut by myself on a, you know, on Pizza Hut napkins. <laughs> and, and it was, uh, and every, every line in the song was true about me at the at the time um and it was it was a song called was it 26 mm. that uh ended up you know charlie daniels cut it on the simple man record in 88 something like that and i, I wrote the song in uh um, 87 it was the, it was the type of song that you know fast forward 30 years and i, I get a call from uh, my old buddy Chris Stapleton, who you know yeah. I had met because we rode at the same place for a probably about ten years. But the first time I met him, Chris started singing. Was it twenty six? Wow, and, that's cool. 
Yeah. And I asked him, I said, how in the hell do you know that song? <laughs> and he said it was my dad's favorite Charlie Daniels song. And he said, if I, you know, Chris at the time was 23, maybe. Yeah, still doing the steel said, driver's I, thing, yeah, or getting yeah, close to it. Yeah. But then he said, if, if, I, if I live long enough and if I ever get a record deal, I'm going to cut that song. Seven or eight, I don't know, 10 or 12 years after first meeting him, he called me one afternoon and said, hey, I just want you to know I just cut 26. And so <laughs> was it was it 26 was on the Traveler record. Wow, what a record, too. Oh, my gosh. Right. That's a good one to have, my man. That's a great yeah, one. But, but, you know, that, that's what I meant about, you know, the types of songs that I want to write. Yeah. And, um, so you, know, you, have Char- um, you have Charlie and Chris both cut yeah. those. Give me yeah, 30, that, 30, that. Year, 30 years apart. Yeah, but look at the two <laughs> who cut them and when they, and right. when they both cut them. I right. mean, that's, that's, that's amazing, and that shows a lot about them being able to identify a great song. And, you know, at that point, as great as they are as artists, which they are both incredible, but to right. identify that is extra special. We're going to take a quick break because I want you to continue with great Don Sampson. Go to visit Mississippi.org, please, everybody, right now. Just do it while we go into the break. Check out all the cool things you can do right here on our homeland. Also, uh, you can keep Mississippi beautiful studio as always. We'll be right back. Midnight in Montgomery He's always singing there He's always singing there. Oh, Hank's always singing there. Hey folks, Steve Azar here, letting you in on the Guarantee Bank Summer Better Sweepstakes when sending money with Zelle. Zelle is a fast, safe, and easy way to send money in minutes to friends, families, and others you trust, no matter where they bank, right from Guarantee Bank's mobile banking app. And now you can win the $5,000 grand prize when making Zelle transactions from June 1st to July 31st. Just download the Guarantee Bank mobile app to send money with Zelle at the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Visit gbtonline.com forward slash Zelle dash sweepstakes for more info and rules. No purchase, account, or Zelle necessary to enter to win. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. You're the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to do your thing. So many great things. So many. Trust me. That's why I moved back home. I get to do it every day. We're at the wonderful, wonderfully talented Don Sampson. I'm going to ask you a tough question here, because, and you can answer it with me and all our friends listening. You've had songs cut, obviously, by these legends, but also recent, like Darius Rucker, our pal, Josh Thompson, Jimmy Wayne, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, Mississippi Girl, Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers, Brad Paisley, Kenny Chesney, Josh Turner, Tim McGraw, Charlie Daniels, John Connolly. I love him. I used to do the Opry with him so many times. I love that man. Joe Nichols, Charlie Pride, 
We're talking Chris Stapleton. Now, who was the one out of all of them mattered the most? Probably Willie Nelson. All right. That's a great answer. And and it, it, it was kind of twofold on that one because um, the name of the song was If I Were a Painting. The whole decade of my 20s, I had I had a horrible drinking problem. It, it, it really and truly almost killed me health-wise. And, I mean, I was just, I was just a, a mess. You know, I was kind of late to the Beatles game, you know, when, when they were at their, you know, when they were the Beatles, you know, I was five to ten years old. And so I never really got into them till high school and then into college. And, of course, I gravitated to George Harrison. 1987, I guess, I'd driven to Virginia to surprise my niece on her second birthday. And during that, when I was up there, Harrison came out with the Cloud Nine record, you know, on cassette and played it in my truck. But I also had, you know, the All Things Must Pass. So I was listening to that. And while my guitar gently weeps, has always been you know, one of one of my top five. So I was thinking about that, and I got this idea for a song. And health-wise, I was I was at the point where I couldn't, I could barely speak. I talked to myself for ten hours from Virginia to Nashville. And as soon as I got to my apartment, I ran in and I just wrote four times the lyric that eventually ended up in the song. The next day was Easter. Guy wrote with all the time back in those days, Skip Ewing. And me and and Skip were supposed to write on Easter Sunday at his apartment. Like I said, could barely even talk because of all this stuff. And, And I just said, I said, okay, we need music. And I, you know, and I handed him the lyric. Probably after it was written, I had 10 minutes left at a session. And me and Skip had had, uh, just demoed. uh, One of the songs on my session was the thing that me and Skip wrote. And he was still there. And the piano player was still there. And I said, okay. And I, I grabbed the guitar and I played it for the keyboard guy and you know, and I said, Skip, just sing it. So we got a good demo. Took it into my publisher, played the session the next day. I didn't even play it. I just dropped it off to him. Like at four o'clock in the afternoon, got in the truck. And when I got to my house, the phone was ringing. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up the phone and it's my publisher sitting in Bob Montgomery and Margie Hunt's office. Yeah, yeah. And Bob, they're on speakerphone, and Bob says, hey, this painting song? (laughs) I said, yeah, and he said, man, just played it over the phone for Fred Foster, who's cutting Willie, and they're cutting it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the next day I walk in the office, and I walk in my publisher, and I just throw up my arms like, you know, and they just looked at me, and they just shook their head. I know, I know, I yeah. know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, at least they apologize. And, Usually, they're never. You know, they're never wrong. Usually, they're always well, right. <laughs> yeah. And and so you know, and oh, and wow. that 
that song ended up, you know, Willie cut it, and then Kenny Rogers cut it, and a guy named Clinton Gregory, and yeah. Rebecca Del Rio, and Lori A lot of cuts Morgan, on that song. And, and yeah. five or six years ago, Molly, my wife, and, and the girls were laid up in the bed watching Dancing with the Stars. I walked through the bedroom, and I went in there to the bathroom and brushed my teeth, and I thought, what is that? What is that song playing? And she said, I, I don't know. Oh, look, girls, isn't that beautiful? And yeah. 10 seconds later, screams, the girl, that's one of dad songs. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah, I mean, somebody in Scandinavia somewhere had had cut that song as a ballroom dance number. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and so, you're sitting here, you know, you know, you know it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what oh, that's is great. that? Listen, buddy, I've been wanting to do this, and I can't thank you enough. And the the work that you have done in your life through these battles that you go through in the 80s, and, and you come out of it like you did. And when you did, man, you were cruising in a Cadillac down it, an open highway, was, man. It's been beautiful. It's it's absolutely nothing but good Lord shining his light on me. Oh, yeah. Well, that that is an absolute truth. So I appreciate you. We've been with my man, Don Sampson. If you turn the radio on right now, they may call you radio, Don, but there's a good chance your song's on the radio or Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I just love that. Go to visitmississippi.org, guys. Check it all out right there. You've been to Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. I'm Steve Azar. Don Sampson. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.